0: Welcome to the Burand and Associates podcast, Insurance Banter. In each of our episodes, you'll experience insightful discussion about important topics that you can turn around and implement directly into your business to become a more effective professional. Now we're going to jump right into the discussion and uh, good morning, Chris, and we've got a great guest uh, today. I'd love for you to introduce him.
1: Thank you, Paul. Yeah, we, our guest is, um, for this podcast is Jay Brennan. I've known Jay for quite a long time now. Um, Just a phenomenal tool for business owners, whether it's insurance or some other industry as to how to deal with the stress of being an owner of a business and uh, the succession planning that every business owner will have succession in their business, whether it's voluntary or involuntary. And what are those? those uh, factors and dealing with those factors proactively instead of negatively. He's been just a great resource for many of my clients. Good morning, Jay. Thanks for being part of this.
2: Good morning, Chris and uh, Paul. I appreciate the opportunity to uh, have a conversation with you about one of my favorite topics.
0: Yeah, it's a big one. I know I'm looking forward to it. Having been involved in a few um, transitions over the years both personally with organizations i've been with and watching clients almost everything i see is the math of it people talking about okay here's how you can you can buy it out here's the the financing structures that you use but the real struggles i've always seen are between the years the psychology of it the the personalities the emotion and so i'm really looking forward to this conversation because those are really the things i think that People struggle with more than anything else.
2: You know, Paul, that's when my phone rings is when uh, in one particular case, when a big sister and a little sister are trying to figure out what their roles might be. And dad has to some extent sort of promised the business leadership to the younger of the two. And when it came down to the finish line signing papers, um, the younger one said, you know I'm not going to sign this after all, because you wouldn't let me on the choir when I was in junior high, and when, when you were on the, <clears throat> excuse me, when you were on the in the swim team, you wouldn't let me on the swim team. And so, uh, to your point, Paul so often after the best of attorneys and accountants and estate planners have done exceptionally good work what derails the execution of the plan is some soft interpersonal or historic or current emotional or psychological matter actually
0: and and what is it about that's maybe a little bit different about the psychology of a founder or an owner than, um, you know, most of the employees, right? Cause they, they have a hard time. It seems often with, with making some type of a transition or plan.
2: Well, you know, there's um, an increasing amount of research that's starting to come out about the personality and the, and the style of successful entrepreneurs and owners, Chris, you and I have kind of joked about this, that they they are frequently kind of ADD, about half of my clients are are, um, ADD and um, kind of very active and uh, really high capacity individuals. And I think one of the issues, Paul, is that uh, when you spend three or four or five decades of living out of that high capacity goal setting, goal-accomplished, disciplined, focused style of life. Um, amongst the things that make succession difficult is uh, just to state the obvious, is that whole process has become part of a successful entrepreneur's identity. And that identity, uh, when you get into your 60s and 70s, if you haven't paralleled other things in your life and begun to prepare for some sort of transition, the inevitable, to your point, Chris, um, it makes it, it it the the most common issue is that the founder, in my view, has not actually kept pace with the developmental trajectory of his or her own life. And then they get behind the so-called eight ball and haven't done the preparatory work emotionally and psychologically, not even to speak of organizationally and financially, um, to actually prepare the next generation if they want to do legacy and if they want to pass it on um so we can talk more about this but it's it's uh it's the relinquishing process psychologically of a very deep and heartfelt and well-intended and a uh, strong sense of identity
1: is it kind of like jay uh, a friend of mine just a good friend of mine described the way he he dresses he said my idea of how to Dress Casually was formed when I was in junior high, and it hasn't really gone any, any more sophisticated than that ever since in the last 40 or 50 years.
2: What's, what's he wearing now, Chris? <laughs> yeah, he's still wearing jeans and T-shirts. That's funny. I have a client in Austin that's building high-rise luxury uh, condos, I've never seen him in anything but a T-shirt and uh, uh, blue jeans. Of course, that's Austin, Texas. But, I mean, they're, they're $700 blue jeans, but they're still blue jeans.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's, I tell you, you know, um, I've, had, I've had clients well into their 80s who had made no preparation at all for the psychology of moving on to that next level of life. They I had a meeting um I had a meeting on uh yesterday morning with a client who um is is up there and um their they their whole identity is in what they've built. Identity outside of what they've built in the insurance world doesn't really exist. And um, They're they're up there in age. It's separating it out is just going to be impossible at this at this stage. So when do you say that people should start thinking about verifying and thinking through the creation of an identity outside of their entrepreneurial personality?
2: Well, certainly by their 50s. Once we once we tip into our 50s, we actually should be. Uh, thinking about this. And, um, you know, you, you, if you men just think about this for a second, this is a, this is a social cultural thing because the definition, especially if you're in your 60s and 70s, the definition of manhood, if we go into that deep end of the pool, is around success and providing. You know, the 20 and 30-year-olds want balance in life. And that was not what guys my age were raised on. We were raised on find out what you're going to do with your life, put your head down and start working really hard and be successful and provide well for your family. It sounds traditional and it was traditional, but that's part of what um, those of us in our sixties, seventies and eighties are dealing with now. And so we've, we haven't thought about having a, a more integrated life, if you will, that has a lot of different interests, uh, and uh, so that's that's one of the factors, uh, Chris, right there. Yeah, it, it's a social cultural process that if you haven't been thinking about these things in your by the time you push into your 50s, uh, it's easy for you to maintain that posture. And then the the obvious psychological term is that we get into a state of denial that uh, mortality is still 100%.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so, Jay, with that, you've got the. Some of my experience has been um, the founders are interested in it right I mean they've kind of have this cognitive dissonance where where maybe they they're not really acknowledging mortality is 100% but on the other hand they sort of are and they're saying yeah I know I need to do something and paying it a little bit of lip service um, but never really wanting to, to fully commit to it. Are there ways that that say that uh, next generation the legacy folks could help? Gently push that along without causing too much of a riff, or you know there there are some ways. I was um, with a young
2: attorney. He and I did a workshop at the, uh, I believe it was called the Prairie uh, Family Business Owners Association. It was up in uh, in in North Carolina or in uh, North Dakota. One of the featured speakers said if your children are not pushing you out then you've picked the wrong kids to to be the next generation <laughs> if if they're not saying dad mom we can do uh we can do that you don't have to do that you've picked the wrong kids <laughs> so here's where family dynamics starts to play into it actually all is that um you know, um, white male successful entrepreneurs over 30 and 40 years, we are used to being in control and we're, we're used to kind of managing, architecting and organizing effort and even high capacity kids who otherwise would be assertive and strong leaders, they they lose their energy to lead. And they become passive only in this context with the family business. They may be active in their parish or church or Rotary Club or wherever, but they, they find it difficult. So it's a systemic issue. In other words, the children, to your point, have to step into some of the vacuum and, and, uh, and do some secondary leading and saying dad we need to start talking about this and uh and that's a big assignment for g2 for generation two actually
1: you know jay you keep oh go ahead
2: no well what i was just going to say chris is that i have in some of my consults uh some really brilliant young leaders will be complaining about well dad's holding on and dad doesn't this and Mom is still involved, and I'll say, well, have you initiated any conversation about where you find yourself and your desire to take on more responsibility? And way too frequently, the answer is no, I haven't. Wow.
1: What, your fo- you focused on white, older males. Do you see a difference? Um, I know I see a difference when I'm working with female founders versus male founders. And in my world, um, working with female founders ready to retire is about 10 times easier than
2: working with males. Only 10 times? (laughs) 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 Oh, Chris, I know. And, uh, And see, here's another nuance to this. Most of us older men have not been raised in the psychological world, in the interpersonal world, haven't been taught that, didn't take those classes in an undergrad uh, uh, course if, if we went to school. And, uh, and the stereotype still holds that women, generally speaking, are more sensitive to the soft side and interpersonal side and the family dynamic side than many men are and that most men are and uh yeah that's kind of painfully true chris
1: wow okay so we pretty much for succession planning we have right off the bat we have two different courses one if the founder is male and one if the founder is female
2: well here's the encouraging thing uh IQ is a pretty tough thing to change over the course of a lifetime. EQ, emotional intelligence, you, you can develop and build those skills uh, if you intentionally decide to do so. Okay. And I've even seen some pretty old guys develop a, a, a lot more awareness and sensitivity, uh, which is a skill needed when you're doing succession planning, of course.
1: Absolutely. Um, Another aspect that you've um, definitely touched on is along the emotional, the EQ side is how long is it? Let's say somebody has no identity outside of their business and yet it's an absolute necessity. How long does it, um, if they're dedicated, does it take to start developing that other identity so that they can let go? What's the timeline people should expect, say that someone is really dedicated to achieving that?
2: You know, I think you can get it done if you really want to in a year or two because, you know, most of my clients are, are small to medium sized businesses, they're like five to $200 million businesses. And and see, here's the upside about these entrepreneurial uh, successful founders. They have a lot of social capital. They almost always have social capital, especially if they're in a smaller metropolitan area. And if the word gets out that they're willing to sit on boards or they're willing to be advisors or they're willing to um to, to be a part of, uh, if they're religiously oriented, to be a part of initiatives that their faith community is is taking on, and this is rare. But if uh, if a pastor or a priest or a nonprofit person knows how to tap in, <clears throat> excuse me, into their skill and ability, man, people stand in line to get these to 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 cap- you know, capitalize on years of experience. In other words, there's a whole coaching, mentoring, advising possibility out there outside of their a business identity. And then here's the key word that keeps these guys engaged meaningfully as they move into their 70s and 80s, even though they're not. Getting paid for it, which they don't need the money, but it's still meaningful to them. And I've, I've helped some guys make that transition actually.
1: Well, I've seen you help make them their transition, and I've seen the, I've stayed in touch with some of your, your clients, and um, the results are phenomenal. It's, it's heartwarming.
0: Those are, the, those are the guys that say they don't know how they work because they're so busy in retirement, right? <laughs>
2: <laughs> exactly
0: yeah, absolutely yeah, it's, it's a neat
1: I can tell all of the listeners that when um, somebody goes through this process on a proactive level and um, find that other identity that it is one of the most heartwarming ex- and just really wonderful experiences that I've had the opportunity to view and uh, to very slightly, in cases, participate in it. it you know, <clears throat> there's uh, all of the stuff that we've been through over the last few years here in the, in the world. Um, I'm not, I, I think this is one of those things where it's like, you know, we're not in it for the money, we're here to help people and make the world just a wee bit better place. And this is one of those situations where you can, you can say that it, it is great.
0: So I guess if I'm going to just sum it all up and then turn it over to Jay to have the last word, it just seems to me like all of these things that we've talked about, there just has to be some some proactive conversation. And it's probably not as a general rule, too uncomfortable. It's just taking that first step. That if you're that, the next generation in the business, if you're kind of the legacy side it's stepping up and, and, and asking to have the conversation. And if you're the business leader and you're thinking about, hey, this isn't all about the money to me. I'd like to do something, leave a legacy, leave a, a mark, so to speak. Um, make yourself available and reach out to that that next generation as well and just start what is not a uh, really discreet one-day process. It's going to be, it's gonna be a, a process, but you have to be proactive and, and get the ball rolling. And uh, sooner rather than later, 50, the clock starts ticking. But uh, did I get that right, Jay? Or what, how would you kind of wrap it up?
2: Yes. The way I'd wrap this up is what uh, David Bohm, the, the um, British physicist, talked about. He said there are three kinds of communication. One is debate, where I'm trying to convince you, Chris, and that you're wrong and I'm right. The other is discussion, where we're kind of addressing a topic of some kind and I have my view and you have your view. And then here's what David Bohm says is critical to conversation and it's really critical to transition. It's dialogue and and dialogue is where, uh, to your point, Paul, the business founder needs to talk to successors or the generation two G2 needs to introduce a dialogue, which is I'd like to have a conversation with you about in the case of loyal employees, how you would like to finish well in my organization. Um, Or if it's a son or a daughter or daughter-in-law is, um, you know, dad, I've been working for the company, you know, 15 years now, and you're in your 70s. I'd like to start the conversation and a dialogue about what you're actually thinking. And I'd like to see uh, if we could have a conversation about my thoughts on that. And what David Bohm says, excuse me, is that you can you can come up with a lot of third alternatives and creative alternatives if you're willing to hold the tension of a creative, a creative tension over time. And that's to your point, Paul, about a series of conversations. So many of us that have been in charge and are founders think that I can, I can make this happen in a conversation one conversation and I'll figure out a super complex process. Can't do it. But the initiative to start the conversation and to start the dialogue, we're not going to have a debate and we not, may not even have big discussion. We may just listen to each other and say, well, this is what I've heard you say and I didn't know that's what you were thinking. Let me try and metabolize that over the next couple of weeks and then we'll come back and have another conversation about it. So I just think uh, the onus is on the founder to initiate those conversations, but generation two needs to be uh, what I would call a secondary facilitator in all of those conversations because sometimes there's a reverse coaching going on, which is that the 36-year-old daughter-in-law who's gone, got her MBA from University of Denver may be better at facilitating some of those conversations than the 75-year-old father-in-law. And she needs not to sit on, that, on those talents. She needs to get them out and use them for the greater good of the family and the organization absolutely so that's kind of my if you want to land it that's where I would
0: land it Paul well thank you so very much for that Jay I really appreciate it
2: well thank you it's been a pleasure to have a little conversation with with you and, uh, and with Chris <clears throat> I know of no I've not worked with anyone who is better at uh, framing up current reality for a business owner on the business and uh, business architecture side than Chris Brand.
0: I'll second that
2: for sure. Thank you. Appreciate that. Well, thank you again. Uh,
1: Paul, you want ready to wrap up?
0: I think we will. Jay, before I close it out, in, um, if somebody wants to get a hold of you, if they're struggling with this in their own uh, business, what's the best way for them to, to catch up with you? Probably on my uh, email.
2: Which would be J A Y J at vocariway, V O C A R E W A Y dot com.
0: All right. Well, thank you, uh, Jay and Chris, for your time and insights today. Always valuable. We appreciate everyone taking the time to listen and look forward to talking to you next time. Thank, thank you. you.